0: Alright, welcome to part two. Um, we'll start with Mandalorian. Uh, like, like last week, this seemed to be a really quick episode. But they all not, they aren't all like this. <laughs> well, there's only one more episode. Is there? Yeah, there's only one more. Oh, good. So next week I can hear your uh, reaction to the special guest. Gotcha. (laughs) All right. So um, refresh my memory. This guy that they're trying to break out was in the first season, right?
1: Well, they're not trying to break him out. Uh, Mayfield played by Bill Burr. He was in the first season. And he was part of a crew that called in a favor from Ben because Ben used to do favors for the guy who basically came up with the strategy because they're trying to break out one of their old crew members from a Republic prison. Um, So they called Ben in as a favor. Um, And then they betrayed Ben and tried to leave him in there in place of the uh, inmate they were trying to break out, which was the Twi'let girl's brother. And then Ben, of course, got out Beat that ass and left them all there to be caught by the Republic.
0: <laughs> so,
1: Mayfield, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call him Bill Burr because this entire episode is just Bill Burr being Bill Burr. I I really really like that Bill Burr found a uh, series that um, found a series where he just fits in as himself. Because <laughs> it was just Bill Burr being Bill Burr the whole time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's who Mayfield is. Okay,
0: so we start this episode off with a, a space side view of a, I'm going to assume it's a scrapyard prison planet because we see Burr there using some kind of giant torch to cut pieces off of. Ships and vehicles and whatever, and you see a bunch of destroyed TIE fighter parts there too. And so a uh, so a prison robot comes up, tells him to step down, and of course Bill Burr's being himself, nothing but attitude. Yeah, you're being transferred to the care of Marshal Doon, and she shows up, and he's like, "Well, you know." what's going on? Tell me, tell me what's going on. And he's just, and he's given her attitude, even though she's, she's essentially freeing his ass. <clears throat> so, you know, they're walking nothing but questions from him until they get to Slave 1, and he sees, and he and we both see Boba Fett in his armor, and he's repainted it. I thought that was cool.
1: Yeah, it's all nice and clean and shiny.
0: Yeah, and then Bill's like, oh, For a second there, I thought you were the other guy. And then Boba Fett steps aside, and here comes Din
1: down the uh,
0: landing ramp.
1: Bill's like, oh, oh, there he
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) So, evidently, Mayfield knows how to find Gideon, but they have to go to a secret Imperial mining base. And And I had a thought when they were talking about this, like, the planet's called Morak. And it's like a isolated, probably on the outer rim, <clears throat> planet. And I was thinking, the Empire's got a lot of secret bases for you know a, a entity that has been defeated for the last thirty years.
1: Well, of course,
0: <laughs> plot armor, right?
1: <laughs> well, no, not plot armor. It's just that I remember who the Empire is run by. It's run basically by the Sith. And the Sith are the most paranoid motherfuckers ever. So, especially especially at a time when there was more than one, um, especially since the uh, empire was running at a time when there were usually more than just a master and apprentice. Because um, that master apprentice stuff only started like recently, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, nope, that's, that's been a long standing. trait of the Sith because of their paranoia.
1: Well, I thought... Yeah, but I thought it hit only... I thought there was one particular Sith who started it, and it only started like 500 years ago or some such. It could be. like, And I might be wrong about that. I, I don't know for sure, but I was pretty sure there was one specific Sith who decided, no, this is the way it should be because because there were so many masters the paranoia was constantly tearing the sith order apart so he was like no there's gonna be one master one apprentice and that keeps us strong right and i thought that i thought that was like 500 years ago or so not too long um you you know in the grander scheme of things not too long um and i could be wrong about that but uh Yeah, but I I was going to make the point that with so many masters, they were always doing, like, secret shit behind everybody's back, so that would absolutely make sense, that there'd be secret bases (laughs) all over the place. But then you just have to understand, they were doing a lot of secret fucking shit in their war against the Republic as well. Um, Even if uh, – even Palpatine had a bunch of, like, secret things that only he knew about, so – I'm not even... Yeah, It doesn't surprise me that on some basically... Uh, it's not a wasteland, it's not a barren planet, but on some out-of-nowhere non, uh, non-settled planet where there are actual natives, it doesn't surprise me that they have a secret base working on something.
0: Hmm. <clears> Them <throat> Sith fuckers always working on something.
1: Always working on something.
0: So um <clears throat> so we get to this this planet and we find out they're mining rhidonium, which we also find out is a very, very unstable mineral.
1: Yeah, it's like fucking nitroglycerin. Yeah. Like you bump it, it explodes, <laughs> pretty much.
0: Damn near. But uh, so the plan is they have to get inside the the mining facility where there is a uh, terminal that can be accessed to find this information. So and we and we also find out that this this uh, this mining facility is run by the ISB. I'm guessing that's like the. The KGB of the Empire, so, Kara can't go in. Fennec can't go in. Boba can't go in. So, it's down to Mayfield and Din. And, of course, Din... <laughs> now, this episode kind of surprised me, but we'll we'll get to that. Din's distaste of taking his helmet off and everything. So Well, it's not a they, distaste.
1: Uh, Up to... As far as we've ever seen, Ben just doesn't do it. Like... Unless it is absolute, like unless it falls within the tenets of permissible for him to do it, he just doesn't do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that that also is a that's a callback to being a child of the of the Death Watch. Yeah, like they they're they're zealous about that shit, but they they capture one of the one of the transport vehicles. Excuse me, I just finished eating my Philly cheesesteak. Don't worry. And uh, like, of course, we get to see Cara Dune being awesome. It's like she jumps in, elbow to the, like she punches the dude in his fucking helmet, and then elbows the dude next to him in, you know, in the helmet with her with her elbow. So she's, you know, she's doing her standard badass, badassery shit.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was uh, the elbow. Doesn't make any sense. It's a helmet. You ever elbowed somebody's uh, football helmet with your bare elbow? Have you ever done it a second time after that? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but so uh, I essentially just put. Um, God damn it, Where to go? Uh, Dune hits hard. <clears throat> which he did, and then uh, swaps out his Beskar for one of the Stormtrooper outfits, which of course gets, um, I, I want to say ridicule, or it, it gets him guff from Mayfield because of his whole shtick about not taking his uniform off. And well, no, I think he it, an it, it
1: was Bill Burr being Bill. That's why I say it's Bill Burr being Bill Burr he's literally just calling him out like one of the things he says is because uh, one of the things he said is like so is that whole creed of not taking off your helmet is that you cannot take off your helmet ever or you can only take off your helmet in certain situations because there's a difference or or no he was like is it that you just can't reveal your face or that you can't ever take your helmet off because there's a difference um, and how when people are put, when push comes to shove, no matter what your principles are, you do what's necessary to either survive or get things done. And, and it's just,
0: yeah. <laughs> so they, they hop in this, this transport vehicle. And uh, as Gerald says, it's uh, Bill Burr being Bill Burr because he's just he's just poking at din basically what he had said. That's what Din is asking, uh, or that's what Mayfield's asking Din as they're driving. And they pass by a village, and Mayfield blows the horn because, I don't know, it seemed like maybe one of them was going to try to run in front of the transport just to so the village can gain more ire against the Empire or something. I don't know. But I don't they, know
1: what was up so with the natives. Did they run past a village? I don't remember ever seeing them drive past it. I just remember the guy showing up on fucking, like, these uh, air, tra- these hovering transports to get on top of the thing and blow it up.
0: Yeah, that was that was after they, pa- they passed through a village. Like, huh. you know, you, see, you saw a den walking or you saw Din looking out the window at like all the, and it was uh, it was multi diversity. It's so like th- it was you know different, I guess races of, of the aliens from the planet all, all there. Then they passed through.
1: Were there and any then humans? When they,
0: <clears throat> Yeah, they were all humans.
1: No, they were humanoid. Were they humans like Mayfield and Ben?
0: Uh, couldn't tell you.
1: Okay. So, probably no, then.
0: Well, I mean, they they looked looked like humans, so that's about as much as I can tell you.
1: They all look like normal humans? Mm Mm-hmm. From what I remember. Then who were the guys trying to blow up the transport? Because they were humanoid, but they were, oh, those were just random pirates?
0: Yeah, those were pirates, and we're, we're getting to that
1: okay well <laughs> I, I was going to point something out but then I must I just completely missed that part that scene and that answers the, that answers that uh, that whole that plot hole that I was thinking about so never mind then continue
0: yeah yeah so they pass through the village and then on the on the radio two of the tra- like one right after the other the transport says we're having problems and see a giant explosion in the distance second transport we're having problems giant explosion in the distance and mayfield doesn't like this he's (laughs) and he makes it known he doesn't like it and then so right behind them comes like what gerald said is like a flying platform of pirates so then opens up the side door window thing leans out and starts taking pot shots excuse me at the uh, at the platform and a couple of the pirates jump on so Den climbs up to the top starts and I thought this was so hilarious he, he starts shooting at them so what they're what these pirates are doing is they're trying to access the <coughs> the storage area of the Rhydonium and then they're dropping thermal detonators on it to explode it that's what happened to the other two ships
1: yeah, uh, and when I think about it, what exactly? What, it, these were pirates, you said, right?
0: Yeah. Then at least that's what they called them. What?
1: What, what were they? Go- what did they gain from doing this? If they were pirates, shouldn't they be stealing the rhydonium and either selling it on the black market or selling it back to the empire at a premium? <clears throat> what benefit were they getting out of just blowing it up? <laughs>
0: you would think and maybe maybe they were eco warriors or they like their their species just wanted to watch shit burn i, and, I don't know
1: and eco warriors <laughs> wouldn't have made sense either because nothing was polluted like everything this entire planet was nothing but lush jungle even around the empire secret base it was all lush jungle they hadn't even they hadn't even cut down the forest or anything so, it couldn't have been eco-terrorism. I don't know. Maybe the Empire just shot the wrong person and pissed them all off.
0: <laughs> could be. So, uh, so Dins out through the uh, hatch. He start. He shoots the one before uh, he could put the thermal detonator in, and it um, it drops to the ground and explodes behind them. And then the rest of them jump on from the platform, and. I didn't know this could happen, but evidently blasters can run out of ammo. I know it can happen in the video games because <clears throat> you can't just have infinite ammo. But I thought blasters had
1: battery packs, so they do have a like limited amount of actual energy that they can shoot, and then they have to change the cartridge or the magazine. You know.
0: Yeah. So in any case, he runs out of ammo throws the fucking blaster at the at the first pirate that's you know that he sees and then climbs out yeah and I, I thought i thought this was cool you know him you know showcasing him doing hand to hand i mean it it was kind of clunky sloppy however you'd want to call it he doesn't do it but much yeah <laughs> but uh you know he still he still got the job done and uh, there was there was one <clears throat> one part where one of the pirates had had his uh, whatever kind of weapon and and came down with an overhead strike and then put his arm up and it broke the stormtrooper's armor off his arm and I was I was thinking I bet he misses his Beskar right about now mm-hmm. <laughs> so he takes. Takes all of them out. He did a, he did a really nice uh, <clears throat> capoeira-style spinning kick on one that was hanging off the edge of the transport. And then here comes, so he's got that taken care of. He picks up the thermal detonator, throws it, and that and when it explodes, it takes out the flying platform that's coming in behind him. Yeah. But then once the explosion clears, there's three more.
1: That. And then they all decide to go ahead and arm their detonators ahead of time. For reasons. <laughs> it's like, you, you don't pull the pin on the grenade until you're ready to throw it. What the fuck? It, it was obviously just for the dramatic, oh shit. But they, they were just holding them in their hands, and I'm like, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> you don't do that. Uh... One would think but it's, there's a term for it. It's called cooking the grenade. Well,
1: <clears throat> this is the problem, though. If they could just throw grenades at the transport to blow it up, that would have been the easiest and simplest thing in the world. There have, must have been a reason why they had to open <laughs> the hatch and attach the bomb directly to the Rhydonium. So if throwing, if just throwing grenades at the transport was all it took, why were they so? At- <laughs> Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they just place? do that? Right. So no, it makes no sense that they did that in any capacity.
0: <laughs> right. So after they do that, then here comes the tie fighters to to try to you know as like an initial attack. The transport crosses the bridge, and then here's the one time that stormtroopers are actually accurate in their aiming. Well, one of the times, because you see, you see the rest of the pirates just kind of running after. Excuse me, after the transport as it crosses the bridge, and then here come all the other stormtroopers. You know, they open a open a hole, close the hole, and they just start blasting. To be
1: fair, this was a narrow corridor because they because Ben and then went over a bridge, so the and then it's just a chasm. Like, they had to go over a bridge that's literally over a lava canyon. It's, it's just this huge drop with lava at the bottom. So the natives had to go across the b- bridge, which bottlenecked them. And then, unless the stormtroopers literally aimed to their left and right, there's no way they couldn't have hit them. And <laughs> I still believe that if it had just been one of the natives or pirates, he would have completely gotten through. But because there was just this wall of bodies, they literally couldn't miss unless they like pointed at the sky or to the left or the right. As long as they were shooting <laughs> forward, they had to hit something. <laughs> so this doesn't actually prove anything. They put the stormtroopers mm. in a situation where the only way to miss would be to obviously miss like literally like why are these stormtroopers literally shooting everywhere else it's not that they're missing they're literally just shooting in the opposite direction what are they doing that that was the only way for them to
0: miss <laughs> so still no love for stormtroopers accuracy skills gotcha <clears throat> I didn't do
1: it Star Wars did it make them accurate <laughs> it's like <laughs> like when Star Wars starts making them accurate then I won't be I won't have to point out the fact that they keep have every time the stormtroopers actually hit something they're put into a situation where they literally can't miss except to make them shoot at the ground <laughs> like <laughs> that's not my fault that's the writers fault writers do better it's like here they
0: come here they come aim at the ground yeah aim at king, the ground king, king. <laughs> Uh, but so they, they they end up being the only transport that made it through you know that day so they they jump out the transport and all the all the other uh, imperial troops are you know celebrating shouting pumping fists in the air, all that good stuff <clears throat> so uh, din and Mayfield are walking through the the facility and then, for whatever fucking reason the the terminal is in the goddamn break room right mm. and well
1: and, it's supposed to be um, like a communications array so i i was wondering about that too i was like why is this thing in the break room and then i was <laughs> like i think it's also meant to be for like leisure communication So if you want to call your girl back on your home planet, you can do that. So that, I could understand why it would be in the break room. But outside of that, yeah, it didn't make any sense for it to be in the break room outside of that.
0: Yeah. So Mayfield stops him because he recognizes uh, the guy's name is Valen Hess, who was his former commander uh, when he was, when Mayfield was a um, soldier of the Empire.
1: Yeah, and I recognize Hess. Like he he's an actor. I've seen in other things. I can't think of anything that he's been yeah. in, but I recognize his face.
0: Yeah, I looked it up. He was in Doom. He was the uh,
1: Oh, yeah, he was the guy who got caught in the bathroom by the monster. Yeah.
0: Well, he was the he was the the religious one and he
1: No, killed himself he wasn't the, holding. No, him. he wasn't the religious <clears throat> one. The religious one was a different guy because the religious okay, one yeah, yeah, the religious yeah. one is the one that got bitten and infected and he was yeah. the one who was talking about how once they were on leave he was going to f- go find a bunch of like 15 and 16 and 18 year olds to shack up with and everybody was like really dude keep that shit to yourself yeah, yeah, I,
0: yeah. and then he was hiding yeah, out yeah now. he was hiding out
1: in the bathroom and got pulled up into the ceiling yeah all yeah, right. he had the greasy slicked back hair. Yeah, and, yeah fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so far he's 2 for 2 for playing scumbags. So <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: and I looked it up cuz when I saw him I was like that dude looks familiar. So I looked it up and yeah, he was in Doom and he was in one other movie and I, I can't think of what it was <clears throat> that I remember him in. for 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 a quick second. I thought he was the guy that played Filch in Harry Potter, but it wasn't. Yeah. So <clears throat> Mayfield's like, well, I, I can't go in there, and Den's like, just give me the give me the thing, and I'll do it. And Mayfield's like, no, you got to scan your face. But Den just takes it. He walks walks into the break room, up to the terminal. The terminal scans his helmet, and then you know this loud voice is you know un- unconfirmed scan powering down in ten. You know does the mm-hmm. countdown, and then Den rips his helmet off and it scans again. And and at this point Hess is looking over at him. So he, uh, he gets, he gets the information he needs and is about to, he pulls it out and is about to turn and leave when Hess is right there, you know, about to harass him. So he's like, you know, what's your, you know, what's your number? Uh, And Den's like, well, I'm the, uh, the transport copilot. He's like, no, what's your TK number? And, you know, he's just, has just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Mayfield comes up and, you know, kind of diffuses the issue. Oh yeah, he's TK, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm assault trooper TK one, one, one. You know, we call him brown eyes. You know, he, he can't hear because of some kind of accident that happened, but we call him brown eyes. <clears throat> and then Hess is like, you guys were the only ones to survive, you know, transporting stuff back. Let's go have a drink. And so they, they sit at a table and uh, and Hess is, you know, putting the cups down, pouring it. And he's like, what should we toast to? I mean, we could go on about, you know, health or the empire, or this and this. and And you can see. Ooh, he, he was good at it too. So let's toast to operation cinder. And Hess is like, okay. All right. And then, you know, Mayfield starts talking about how so many people were killed or left to die. And Hess is just grinning and grinning. He's like, well, you know, it's the cost of doing business, boy. And this and this, uh, and this, and this, and this, and then, was, he's
1: uh, like, oh. Well, he, it, it was that it cost so many lives, but apparently it also killed, like, their entire platoon, but him and Hess, and maybe one or two other people. But the way he said it, the only people who actually survived it were him and Hess, because even their own group, who was down on the ground, was killed in it.
0: Right. And you can just, and as he's talking about it, and as Hess is just kind of Poo pooing it away, you can see Mayfield just getting more and more fucking pissed off. Yeah. And then,
1: go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah. Uh, I, I will say that during this conversation, Hess is like, uh, people think they want, because. Uh, uh, Bill Burr brings yeah, up they the fact. They want freedom. Well, Burr brings up the fact that that you know they were just fighting for their freedom, and Hess is like, "Well, they think they want freedom, what, what they really want is order." And I was like, "That actually is an uncomfortable truth because we see it even now. People are like, there are people right now yelling out that uh, the internet should be monitored, people should be monitored just to make sure there are terrorists in the country. People right now." Are already saying things like that. Uh, the whole chip uh-huh. under your skin on the hand is a thing that has already been developed, so that they can track people. Um. So Hess, Hess is a scumbag, and but he is right about that. And it reminded me a lot of Shin Megami Tensei. And in Shin Megami Tensei, there is a uh, there is a world state that you get to decide through your decisions. And it is uh, order, balance, or freedom. And to, and so you could go for order, which is bad. You could go for balance, which is the good one. Or you could go for freedom, which is also bad. Because it very much <laughs> is based off the principle of witchcraft, where in witchcraft, if there's too much order it's bad, because too much order brings tyranny. If there's too much freedom, it's bad, because too much freedom brings chaos. What you're actually trying to do is find that fine line of balance between order and freedom. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he, said, he said something that is a very uncomfortable truth, but it's also only kind of half the truth.
0: Right. And then so he he finishes that off with his toast to the Empire and you just see Mayfield kind of do this kind of grimacing smile. He pulls his blaster and shoots him in the chest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did we already talk about how Ben took his helmet off? And has had his helmet off for like a yeah. good large portion of this episode? Well, not a good large portion, but what, five, six minutes?
0: Yeah, it was. so he took his helmet off so his face could be scanned and uh, he could have access to the terminal. Yeah. And yeah, he, he didn't put it back on until a little bit after this part, where uh, Mayfield shoots Hess in the yeah. chest, and then was like, "Well, yeah, so much for you know quick." And yeah, staying, so much for staying <laughs> cool.
1: Enough. I was like, I was like, D-. and and you know what? And this is the thing. Well. Uh, is it okay for me to kind of, spoil, like, the rest of it is pretty self-explanatory, right? Because he shoots Hess, the whole base yeah. get, is, comes under alarm. They fight their way out, obviously, or we can't have a next episode. But when they're leaving, <laughs> Mayfield turns around and shoots one of the Redonian transports in the open hatch to ignite the Redonium, blows up the entire base. Mm-hmm. If that was an option, Mm -hmm. why did you threaten the entire operation to shoot this dude in the chest just because he pissed you off? (laughs) Are you fucking kidding? You risked us not getting out of here with the information that we needed when you were just going to blow up the entire base anyway? We literally could have just done that on the way out. We could have just
0: done that. (laughs) Like... (laughs) You would, uh, you would think, <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, but but like, even even after he did, he was like, "Oh, it was kind of just an afterthought." But yeah, well, so, no, no. Um,
1: after when he when they got out, he looked. Ben looks at him, and he looks at Ben. And He's like, "We all got to sleep at night, right?" Like he he did it for his conscience.
0: Like, yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool, and and he called he called it what the the cycle rifle or something like. And so, all right, so shoots Hess in the chest. Here come more stormtroopers with poor aiming skills mm-hmm. again. <clears throat> so there, so you know, he turns. So Mayfield turns to Din is like, go ahead and put your helmet on. I'll, I'll pretend I never saw your face. And Din quickly puts the helmet back mm-hmm. on. And they climb up onto the to the window and it's got like ventilation slats. So they kick the lowest one out. They're still shooting. They climb out through they climb out onto the ledge and they're, you know, going across the ledge trying to get to the ladder to the roof. And over on a on a cliff edge at the front of the base is Fennec and Kara and Dune and yeah car with sniper rifles and they just start start taking pot shots at, at everybody <clears throat> and you know as like i said once again stormtroopers can't aim now but they could mm. before one of those just things so they they start climbing up on the roof then it calls boba you know it's time so he takes off he screams past the roof and, and i wanted to make i wanted to uh I wanted to write it down, but I remembered. It was kind of Firefly-esque, like uh the uh oh, I want to say it was either one of the episodes or the movie where they like they ran off like they were running, jumping off the cliff just to land in, in Firefly's cargo mm-hmm. area kind of thing. But so so Boba screams pass you know, screams over the roof, uh rotates down, puts the the landing ramp out. And they jump onto the ramp while people are you know still shooting behind them. Boba takes, you know, starts taking off, and like Gerald said, uh Mayfield's like, hand me that cycle rifle. So he picks it up, aims it at the at one of the open riddonium transport containers, and explodes the entire base. And he looks at Din, like Gerald said, gotta sleep at night. And okay. And of course, you know, after uh, let's see. And of course, Tie Fighters start coming to attack him, too. And then I I thought this was a really cool throwback to the uh, to the prequel trilogy when uh, Boba's like getting altitude, and you, he hits a button, and then on the back of Slave One, you see this panel open, and this charge drops out, and it's one of those I called it a seismic charge because that's what it looked like. Like it explodes. And like this ring of blue destruction. Mm -hmm. Cause it it, was it, I want to say it was episode two when Obi-Wan was trying to run through the asteroid field to chase Boba Fett or that might've been Jango at that point in time. And he, and he drops these seismic charges out and they wipe out entire asteroids, like huge asteroids just turned into rubble. So I thought, I thought it was cool that they, uh, that he used a seismic charge to take yeah. that, <laughs> to take that one minor inconvenience out. And so, so uh, the ship lands and everybody's gathered and uh, Mayfield's like, all right, well, job's done. He puts his, you know, reverse together, holds him up to is like, all right, cuff me. And then Cara looks at Dan and is like, you know, it was a shame that Mayfield died here. Wasn't it? And then <laughs> Mayfield's looking at her like, huh? and then's like yep it's pretty much a shame and then Mayfield's like so i can go and then just kind of jerks his head to the side they they climb back aboard the ship so i thought i thought it was nice that they you know they they claim him as a casualty but they left him on a backwater planet mm-hmm.
1: well at first i can I mean, remember cuz i said that i didn't remember that they had gone through a village of actual like people instead of aliens, uh, that they because I thought the whole planet was inhabited by those pirates and those were the native people. Um, and I was like, they're just gonna leave them in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of hostile natives, like what? But no, if there's like an actual town of <laughs> humans, uh, then yeah, never, uh, then I understand.
0: <clears throat> mm. I mean, unless he wants to go native. I don't know. <clears throat> but I thought that was uh thought that was kinda odd. And then the episode ends with uh we're we're on um Moff's carrier and that communications officer comes up, you know, we've got a message for you, plays a message, and then there's Mando's like, uh, you took something from me. And uh, you don't know how valuable that thing is for me. I'm coming for you.
1: Well, he tells him the same thing. Moff Gideon told him in the first season when he had him trapped in the bar. Yeah, that's because yeah. when he said when when Ben told him that, I was like, why would you tell him that? Like now he knows that you actually care about Grogu, and he can use that as a weapon against you. And then uh, in the recap they actually show Moff Gideon saying that exact same thing. And when I heard him saying it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because he says that when they're trapped in the bar with Grogu. And Moff Gideon tells him the exact same thing. That's why he said it.
0: Mm -hmm. Makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) What do they call that? Uh, Not not quite poetic justice, but something like... Ah, I see you're using my own tricks. I I
1: forget what it's called too, but yeah.
0: So that's, that's episode seven. Uh, According to Gerald, we only have one more and we'll cover that next week. So let's go on to Hannibal. Okay. Oh, this episode. Yeah, it's a,
1: I don't know. It's, and I see what they did. They they show all the little mistakes that Hannibal makes up to this point. It's just like it, the whole thing, I guess, is what they're trying to say is it was experiment for him, but he now he gets it. like okay. So my whole problem with the way this episode went is that at now that this episode has happened, he the the uh, serial killer Tobias the uh, string instrument shop owner who was cutting people's throats open Mm -hmm. to see if he could play their vocal cords. He specifically Mm -hmm. tried to get rid of Tobias because Tobias was too uh, open about his killings and that could have led the police to Hannibal and revealed him as well. So he specifically wanted to get rid of Tobias because Tobias was someone who might have revealed you know, uh, outed him. But in this episode, he does nothing but things that could implicate him.
0: <laughs> and right. I'm like... Go ahead. Good. Good. Uh, you, you go ahead. I, okay. I need to form my
1: thoughts. <laughs> but uh, basically, um, I don't know why it was so hard for me to concentrate on this episode, but basically... Uh, We, I think we start the episode out with Will having visited uh Georgia Madchen. Um, and that is the girl from Mm -hmm. like the two episodes ago who was really like mentally ill, um, and was basically dying on her feet and had killed the one lady. Um, and who will who came to Will's Mm -hmm. house and he like he was like, Yeah, I, you know. he told her she was alive, made friends with her. He went to see her. She looks a lot better. She's really cute. I didn't realize how cute she was until this episode. Uh-huh. Um, but he goes to talk... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. Uh, he goes to talk to her. <laughs> and he's talking about his con- they're talking about his condition talking about her condition and you know she's giving him the spiel of yeah they'll, they, they don't know what's wrong they'll never be able to know what's wrong and they'll tell you to do this treatment and that treatment and that treatment but it'll never help all they'll ever really know is that you're wrong and uh so he finishes talking to her and then he talks to Hannibal and he's telling Hannibal mm-hmm. how uh you know, she doesn't want to remember the things that she did, right? And then we get the... And in the next uh-huh. scene is her in her... She's in an oxygen tank. Um, and the only way to talk to her uh-huh. is through an intercom system. You got to press a button on the oxygen tank and it allows you to talk to the intercom. So when that's not on, you can't hear her, she can't hear you. Um, it's completely like air sealed, pretty much, to help with her... Uh, her treatment and her recovery well someone drops Uh a comb into her oxygen tank and she doesn't know who did it or why but it's just Uh a plastic comb she doesn't feel a threat so she starts to comb her hair and we and it shows that it starts Uh a static electricity spark which lights up the oxygen uh the which uh lights the uh the tank on fire Right,
0: ignites the oxygen. It ignites yeah, the oxygen yeah, yeah. in the tank
1: um, yeah. because highly uh, in an environment of high oxygen content, it's insanely flammable. Anything can set it off, which is why she was in a nightgown. She couldn't really have anything that might cause static electricity. Also, she was supposed to be wearing an anti-static electricity band to make sure that that didn't happen, but she wasn't. So we have Jack and uh-huh. the forensics guys there, and they're. Taking account everything, um, and they're going over the crime scene. Will is adamant that she didn't. Ki- they think it was a suicide that she killed herself, and Jack is like, "Well, she killed people, so she probably killed herself because she didn't want to deal with the consequences of that." And he's telling Jack, "This was not a suicide. Like she would, she was not suicidal. Like I met, I met with her. She was not suicidal." Um. And Jack is like, uh-huh. you know, you meeting with her compromises the whole case. And you know, Will's like, well, it doesn't seem to really matter right now, does it, Jack? He's he's actually been giving Jack a lot more lip <laughs> lately. Like that comment, the the last time he talked to Jack like that, Jack made everyone leave the area so he could talk to Will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right it's like i can't believe yeah. you're talking to me like that and everybody's yeah. like talking-
1: so see. um so that was really good uh it's too bad about georgia um then we go to uh then we i think this is the part where we go to jack visiting hannibal jack goes to visit hannibal to talk about what just happened basically and He, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how the conversation goes, but they're talking about Will and how, and and he's uh, talking to Hannibal, and Hannibal was, I don't think Hannibal has revealed that about the mental illness that Will has yet. Um, Not in this conversation, but this conversation with Hannibal procs Jack to then go talk to Jack's psychiatrist, Dr. uh, Dumarier. It's Scully from X Files, but that's her name in this. Uh, Doctor Dumaria. Right. Um, let's see. I. Oh yeah, but and uh, hold on, hold on. So she <coughs> dies, and Will has before Jack goes to see Hannibal before we see that scene. Will has a dream of her visiting him, and then she goes outside, and he follows her outside, Mm -hmm. and a stag impales her, and she lights on fire, and then she just, the stag shakes its head and basically Mm -hmm. scatters her ashes. And at this point, I'm like, what the fuck does this stag represent? I don't know anymore, because I thought it represented (laughs) Abigail's dad. Now I have no fucking clue. I do not know what this stag is supposed to mean. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I am absolutely baffled um and I remember from last week I thought the stag was like how will was seeing the serial killers but and evidently, at first that's not it the seemed case either. like that maybe 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 the stag is Hannibal I just had that thought because I'm pretty sure we we both are assuming that it was... Lecter that killed Georgia like he dropped the comb in there for and and this is the thing uh,
1: because uh, he this happened right after Will went to talk to him so it was pretty obvious it was him because their conversation consisted of them doing treatments to get her memory back and her not wanting her memory back and how distressing that could be and Hannibal goes yes I can understand how distressing it might be if she got her memory back that 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 little oh i'm gonna have to kill this bitch (laughs) like right like it's like the 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 hannibal like little um it looks like i'm gonna have to kill a bitch um but uh so and then she and then someone drops a comb and then she lights herself on fire not knowing how that whole thing works it's like goddamn it hannibal like if anybody was really paying attention, if 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 Will was not suffering from a mental uh disability, a mental uh, uh a mental disease, he his brain yeah if, if brain he wasn't suffering swelling. from a mental illness, that was the that was what I was trying to get a mental illness. If he wasn't suffering from a mental illness, he probably would know. You know, every time I go to have a session with Hannibal about somebody having some form of way of catching the copycat serial killer, that person tends to end up dead. Huh. <laughs> That's
0: weird. It sure <laughs> it's
1: like and it's and it's never and it's never like a little it's like right after. It's like literally that night or the day after that person ends up dead. <laughs> um so uh Will is adamant that Georgia didn't kill herself. Uh, They uh, go to the forensics guys again and uh, they find the remains of a silicone plastic which they don't use in those machines because that conducts static electricity and that's a no-no. And they found her hair basically crystallized in it and then Will has a flashback of her running her fingers through her hair and he was like, it could be a comb. Which would have allowed the static electricity, which would have sparked the thing, right? And then Jack is uh, starts talking about uh, how this could have happened, and there is a oh, right, right, right. It's when he's talking to the forensics guys after Will leaves. He's like, "I want. How do we find this connection?" Will is adamant that. This was a murder not a suicide how do we find this connection and they decide to go back to abigail and her father's case and he he tells them i want to know where abigail's father went every time he wasn't at home everywhere he went when he wasn't at home or at work and so and you would have thought they would have done this in the first place after the investigation especially because of the copycat killer, but I didn't think of it either until they said it right here in this episode. So, eh. Uh, (laughs) I I, I assume these people are all far smarter than me, so it, it seems obvious when it is mentioned in this way, but maybe they just didn't think it was important at that time either. But anyway, the conclusion comes, the evidence comes back that Abigail attended every seminar of every girl her dad killed. So that gave all the proof Jack needed, that she was a part of the murders, and not only that, that she was the lure. Once he finds that out, we go to a scene of – well, we also have a scene of Abigail talking to Freddie, the reporter, about her book, but that's pretty much irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Freddie says the cryptid thing about you you can tell a serial killer because they have a particular kind of aggression, but for the most part, meh. Mm -hmm. I mean it's Freddie. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but Will goes to visit Abigail and he's he is sure that he can catch the copycat killer, but he needs her help to do it. And then Jack goes to arrest Abigail because uh-huh. he's pretty sure, yes, she was the lure for the girls and was helping her dad kill the girls. Um, she's not there. Freddie lets him know that Will snuck her out. Um, and he asks about the book and how they're filling it. And Freddie's like, there are plot holes. And he's like, well, how are you filling in those plot holes? And uh, uh, they say something about Abigail. And Freddie talks about how Abigail's a very smart girl. But what she doesn't realize is that a very smart girl knows all the tricks and stuff of when someone's hiding something. Basically, implying that she is sure. That Abigail is hiding something that she noticed it Um, and in the conversation between Abigail Uh and Freddie, they do bring up the the guy who was framed as the copycat killer and Freddy is like he was innocent he was just some dumb kid I like how the show just ignores the fact that he literally grabbed Abigail they even show a flashback of it happening of him grabbing her and slamming her up against the wall and she just reflexively stabbed his ass and they're like, and they're like, yeah, but he was cut open like a like. It's like, dude, she was raised to understand how to skin an animal. It was reflex, of course. She jabbed it in and went up. That's just her reflex to do that. Like, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Will takes Abigail all the way back to the cat to their uh to her parents' home, uh, to the cabin. And when he's there, he slips into that the mindset of the killer and realizes that Abigail was helping her father lure the girls in and kill them. Um, and in his mind, he actually imagines her admitting it to him, but she never does. And then all of a sudden, he just wakes up
0: uh-huh.
1: on a plane. And all the other passengers have left. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, there's a girl with me. And she's like, there were no other passengers. All the other passengers have gotten off. And he's just like, what the fuck? He has a time skip. And when, right before the time skip, he's like losing, he's like holding his head and like losing his mind, right? So we're all like, oh shit, did he murder Abigail? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we immediately go to a scene of Abigail Mm -hmm. going back to the cabin and running into Hannibal. And they have a discussion about uh, Will and that Will is sick and that she got away from him because she didn't feel safe. I think it's back in the actual – no, no, not back at the cabin. It's at the house. She goes back to the house. Um, And Uh Hannibal is there waiting for her, and we get to a point where she realizes Hannibal is the copycat killer, right? And she asks him, Uh "Well, Will always said that the person who called on the phone was the copycat killer. Why did you call my dad? And Hannibal is like, I was curious to see what would happen. I was gonna, I I called him to warn him that Will was coming to get him, and I was wondering what would happen. And uh, then Mm. she goes, uh, she she asks about uh, uh, how many people. There was something before that, but I can't remember specifically. But yeah, she does ask, how many people have you killed? And he's like, far more than your father. And then she's like, are you going to kill me? And he's like, I'm so sorry, Abigail. I couldn't protect you in this life. And we're like, and that's where the episode ends. And we're like, oh, now he's going to kill Abigail. And I was like, and and see, this is the thing, though. I'm not sure if this is Will's clever trap. Because now that he knows about Abigail, he is probably fairly sure that Hannibal knew. So I'm not sure if he his suspicion that Hannibal is the his suspicion has gone to Hannibal might be the copycat killer, or if this is kind of a weird elaborate plan. Because when he's talking to Hannibal about it, uh, there's two things I did forget. But one of the things I forgot to talk about is that he uh, talks to Hannibal. Uh, about Abigail and how he could use Abigail to, to catch the copycat killer, right? And because he has come to the conclusion uh-huh. that the copycat killer is someone who knows about the cases that he's on, someone very intimate with him, right? And either they're on the case, there's somebody within like, literally within the group of Jack, Hannibal, and all of them, there's somebody in that group who is the copycat killer because they have Plenty of information on him and plenty of information on the cases because he's been going – because Will figured out he's been going around – the copycat has been going around and making the murders look like the other serial killers did the murders to hide his own murders. Um, and that's why Hannibal is like, oh, well, got to kill Abby. Uh, <laughs> and then there's another scene where Jack uh, – is there's two two other scenes i forgot as well there's another scene where jack is talking to hannibal and hannibal plays a recording of will about the marissa girl and he's asking will uh Mm -hmm. why do you feel bad because you couldn't help her and will is like because i felt guilty because i felt like i did it and so This put into Jack's mind that Will, because he's been losing time and just waking up and not remembering anything, and Hannibal also talks about how the mental illness to Will, he wouldn't remember anything, though a part of him might. Um, He brings that up. And Jack does get mad at him. He's like, Mm -hmm. why am I only hearing about this right now? And Hannibal is like, because I thought it would be important for me to figure out whether it was just stress because of what you, the jobs you have him on, or if it's an actual mental illness. I figured before i just go and start saying, hey, Will's going insane, I might want to (laughs) confirm. Right? Right. (laughs) So all fairly plausible. Um, And then there's the talk that Jack has with... uh, that Jack has with Dr. Mowry when he goes to see her. And it's a talk about uh, their friend Will and his relationship with Hannibal, right? With with Will and, and the relationship Hannibal has with him. And she says she can't talk without a court order or anything like that, but she does give some information saying, and Jack, like, ends off with, well, he's my friend, I want to help him, too. And I felt like it was weird that Scully was, like, and he could, Will could do to have more friends like Hannibal. She didn't say more friends like Jack. She said more friends specifically like Hannibal. She could have been, like, he could do to have more friends (laughs) like the two of you, the both of you, but she specifically said Hannibal, which I'm not sure if Jack picked up on, because he gave her a look. But I'm not sure if he picked up specifically on that. Um, And then she goes to see Hannibal to tell him that whatever is going on with his friendship with Will, he needs to stop immediately. And you can tell this is the first time you see Hannibal actually agitated because he's like walking back and forth in a huff kind of. So this is the first time you actually see him agitated Um, because he does consider Will a friend but at the same time like it it's weird because it's kind of like Hannibal is fighting with himself between the fact that he's Will's friend and the fact that he really really wants Will to know him in the way that he is like cuz and 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 that's been a standing thing Hannibal wants Will to be able to see the world through his eyes and Will has the unique ability to do that and Hannibal wants him to be able to do that and to accept that because if will falls far enough into that he may not go back to being will he might literally be a second Hannibal and then Hannibal would be would have the perfect best buddy the best murder buddies ever (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) yeah like so he's warring with himself on what's kind of Uh, on doing that or just stopping altogether. And it might be also a war between making such risky decisions like he has while trying to get Will to where he wants Will to be. So, um, But uh, so that happened. And so, and of course, the episode leaves off with well did and looks like Hannibal is going to kill Abigail and probably frame will for it now there are supposed to be two more seasons of this and the next episode is the last episode so I assume Hannibal does not get caught this season because if he does I have no idea what they did for the next two episodes unless he escapes Um, but that might also that might mean that in the next episode will gets framed for the recent killings under mental disorder, and that he can't, he just can't remember, which sucks. Um, hmm. but we'll have to wait and see how this turns out. Uh, but that basically was the episode. All in all, I feel like there's a lot in this episode, but at the same time, I found it really hard to concentrate on the episode for some reason. Um, and once again, it also feels a lot like. I mean like so Georgia saw the copycat killer if she gets her memories back she can be she can identify him she dies Abigail he will thinks Abigail could uh help him find the copycat killer she dies it I, I can't see how will can't put two and two together, especially since he's probably the only per Hannibal's the only person he told who that he was going to uh uh take uh he was gonna have Abigail help him catch the copycat killer. And he even said himself he thinks it's someone in their inner circle who's actually the copycat killer. And I was thinking when he was talking to Hannibal, you shouldn't be telling the moment you realize it had to be someone who had access to the. Uh, investigation information and the information that you guys have as a circle, the moment you realize it had to be someone who had either access or was in that circle who is this copycat killer, there is no one you should have told what you just told Hannibal. That's why I'm not sure if this is Will's sort of brilliant plan, because if Abigail can really help him figure out who the copycat killer is, the copycat killer has to do something. If they don't, he still catches the copycat killer. So it's almost like a two-pronged attack. So either he proves who the copycat killer is when the copycat killer comes after Abigail, which he probably assumed he'd be able to protect her, and then he had one of his episodes. Or the copycat killer doesn't do anything because uh, he thinks that that would out him immediately, but he still gets outed because... Will is able to use Abigail to figure out exactly who it is. So it's almost a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for the copycat killer. So I, yeah, I I don't know how they're going to end this, how this last episode is going to be. It's going to be weird. And Jack has most of the puzzle now, but he's still missing some real key pieces. Because right now, he thinks that Will is the copycat killer. At first he thought it was Abigail, but with the new information, he actually thinks it's Will because when they figured out that Abigail was the one being used as a lure for the girls that her father was killing, uh, they came up with the conclusion that she was trying to impress her father. And And they thought that she was still killing and that she was the copycat murderer. And if that were true, who is she trying to impress now? So now they're kind of sure that it's either Abigail or Will or both of them and that she's been doing this to impress Will because she's already shown that she can sneak out of the psych ward whenever she wants to. Um, And Jack even asks Mm. Hannibal where was Will when Marissa, the girl Marissa, was killed, and Hannibal was like he was supposed to be in his hotel room, but I knocked and no one answered. So uh-huh. the, all everything is converging, and I will admit this is very intense because one misstep by anybody and it all comes down for them. So
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was another Hannibal being a cheeky bastard, like putting the thought that it's Will doing it now in in Jack's head like with the with the playing of the of the tape and I was like oh you cheeky fucker you're you're well, Yeah to and frame that's the, the thing
1: old. though he didn't put the thought in Jack's head jack already had the thought because of the conversation because uh the episodes will has been having the lost time things like that there's the in the argument that they had or at least in the, the heated discussion that the the heated discussion they were having he even said because uh, Jack was like, you're tired. You're having, you know, maybe... He's like, no, I'm not having an episode. I haven't lost any time. I know this wasn't a suicide. Like, this girl was completely misunderstood, and I'm going to make sure her death wasn't misunderstood. This was not a suicide. This was a murder. Which, because Will was that right. focused about it, and that uh, adamant about it, Jack took it seriously. So... Hmm. Uh-huh. So this is like if Jack makes a misstep here, he's going to end up arresting Will for these murders and getting the wrong person. If Will makes a misstep here, he's either going to get arrested or Hannibal's going to kill him. If Hannibal fucks up, Hannibal's going to get caught. So we're just trying to figure out which of these is going to happen now. If none of them happen they this better be Andy. some brilliant writing to it to to explain that cuz one of these things has to happen
0: <laughs> <laughs> better be some fucking yeah, on point shit writers pretty
1: much um but yeah so that was this episode of hannibal we got one more episode to go um so, uh, I, I would like to say I'm excited to see the next episode, but honestly, I'm just, I don't know. Uh, mm. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to see what they do. Um, I feel like there are a lot of missteps that Hannibal made that he shouldn't have, but hindsight is 2020, right? So... So we'll have to, so uh, we'll see. Maybe they will, maybe this, uh, this last episode will be the best episode in the season. So I hope so. I hope so.
0: I better tie it all together with a neat little bow. (laughs) But yeah, definitely, uh. And yet another trippy but yeah. interesting
1: episode. And they 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 brought Abigail back only to kill her off. <laughs> I think she's only been in like four episodes of the entire season. <laughs> I actually like her, I actually Poor like Abigail. her character. And I I mean it's a sh- like I, I don't know this feels this sounds weird to me, but I actually like her character. And I was kind of hoping Hannibal was going to take her on as his protege. Because I wanted to see how that would work out.
0: Hmm. That would be interesting.
1: Such a shame. Such a shame.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, that's the review for Hannibal. We're going to take a sponsor break and then come back and talk about spooky places.
1: Spookiest of places. So hold tight.
0: Spooky intensified. All right, welcome back, everybody.
1: Welcome back,
0: everybody. So, spooky places. <laughs> um, I've pulled up a couple articles uh, for spooky and scary places from around the world. There's a couple interesting ones. Um, You want to go with? uh, You want to lead off with your first one?
1: I could lead off on my first one. Uh, My first one is the Island of Dolls, Mexico City, Mexico. You bastard! (laughs) That was gonna be my first one, dude. It comes up in every search, but it was too cool for not for for me not to use it. There were a lot of them that came up in every search, and I tried to find ones that were probably less known. Um, but this one came up in every search, and it was just—I, I, I just wanted to to do it. There's honestly not much to say about it, um, because everyone knows exactly what's up. But basically, it is the Isla de las Muñecas, or Island of Dolls. It's in the Loca uh,
0: Canals.
1: I can't pronounce. Central I think America. it's uh,
0: Zochilamico. Zochimilco. Zochilamico.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. I dude, I cannot pronounce Central or South American names for the for the life of me. I, I my, my mouth won't do it.
0: My my tongue You can, <laughs> you can thank the Mayans for that, I
1: think. Yeah, <laughs> like, my mouth is like, you want me to pronounce what? How about just no? How about I just won't do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and according to legend, when the island's only occupant found a drowned girl in a canal and a doll nearby, they began hanging dolls around the island, leaving thousands hanging from eerie tree branches. And I saw pictures of this. Yeah, there are just thousands of... It's, it's a forest of dolls. It is a literal mm-hmm. forest of dolls. It's creepy looking as fuck. Um, and that's all I have on it. I tried to find like superstitious stuff. Uh, people saying that people disappeared in it but really all they had was yeah this this is what happened so it's pretty much I guess factual
0: hmm. Hmm?
1: did well, you have anything else on it besides that because I couldn't find anything deeper to go I couldn't find anything deeper uh,
0: uh, okay so okay so there's one line here that's that's interesting. It, it's become a natural process that the doll's heads originate from shrubs and roots of the trees. So is that like like the heads are growing out of? That would be creepy,
1: dude. I I honestly don't
0: know. Uh, yeah, that's uh that's definitely an interesting one. Um, I'll go with this one: Gettysburg Battlefield. In Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, I think it was one of the bloodiest um, battles in the Civil War. Uh, There's an estimated 50,000 soldiers lost their lives during different wars on this battlefield. Devil's Den is situated close to this battlefield where the dead bodies of the soldiers were buried. It is said their souls still come to this battlefield and cry at what happened in the history. Eh, definitely not a place I'd want to go at night <laughs> this area has been restricted because its encounters because it encounters a ghostly history and is not fit for tourists uh, I'm pretty sure there are some tourists who would love that idea of going and trying to hunt down Civil War ghosts on Gettysburg battlefield but well not yeah, so
1: many because I'm pretty sure that's a tourist site it is. Is isn't I'm, I'm it in a national? Is it in a national park? Sorry, but is that the yeah, one that's a the national they, park?
0: I, th- I think I think they did make it a national park, but yeah, it's in it's near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania.
1: Okay, so if it's the one I'm thinking of, and it's in one of the national parks, it is a tourist. It's actually a, a, a thing that you can get uh, tourist hikes for, and they will they will walk you through it, and there are actually stories about it where people will be camping out nearby and at night they would go out and there's this one like there's actually like a ghost story i got told once where uh or read where people would be camping out at night they get lost and they come upon the battlefield and a soldier who looked like he like he's he's like in dirty bloody clothes from that era would actually lead them off the battlefield and like, it would be like this, I, I don't know, they come across some kind of huge rock and he would come out from behind it and they'd be like, and he'd be like, are you lost? And they'd be like, yeah. And He'd be like, go that way. And you'll find your way back. And then they would find their way back. And they'd be like, who was that guy? Is there some kind of reenactment going on? And everybody would be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I remember that story. I don't know if it's this particular thing, but I do remember that story.
0: yeah but uh, that's my first one it's it's not it's not an unknown but it's a prominent one enough that i that i think it would be worth mentioning no it's a good one
1: uh, let's see right. so my next one is the stanley hotel in estes park colorado For those who may know, this is the hotel that Stephen King's The Shining was based Mm, off of. It's where he got his idea from. Uh, In 1974, Stephen King and his wife had stopped for a night at an old hotel and checked into room 217. The hotel, having fallen Mm. on hard times, had only a skeleton crew to run it. That night, King had a nightmare of his son being chased through the halls by a predatory, possessed fire hose. This is what laid the groundwork mm. for *The Shining*. Dude, that is not the that is that's that might be the first time, but that's not the only time that something will happen to King and he'll make a. I think we talked about this before when we were talking about his books, like uh, mm. what was it, uh, *Dreamcatcher* with the buttweasel aliens. <laughs> that 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 was literally because he ate something and got food poisoning and had to pull over on the side of the road to take a shit because it was because his body was just like, no, this has to get out now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what prompted him to write that book. That's why there are butt weasel aliens.
0: <laughs> yeah. and, and the same Jerry, he was a he was a high school janitor. And he him and I guess his his partner were cleaning the girls' bathroom and King was like, What's this metal box here for? Like, oh, that's for tampons. And that's where the the whole part from Carrie where the girls are throwing tampons at her yelling, plug it up. Uh-huh. That's where that part that's where it came from for Carrie. Oh goodness. <laughs> God damn it, King.
1: <laughs> like you're Weird fucking bullshit.
0: Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could get ideas like that. Just like look at look at a look at my phone. Oh, here a possessed phone kills everybody. You know, thousand page novel. Here you go, <laughs> or some shit. But anyways, continue.
1: Uh, let's see um let's see what else do i have on this uh okay so the hotel before stephen king showed up was already a paranormal hot spot um it was completed in 1909 by entrepreneur and inventor f.o stanley during the years after his death in the 1940s mr stanley reportedly had appeared to guests checking in at the reception desk even stories of the late mrs stanley who was known as a pianist, that she could be heard playing in the empty music room. Uh, Guests also reported strange occurrences such as shadowy figures, eerie laughter, flickering lights, and items moving on their own in every room on the hotel compound. In recent decades, though, the hotel had also hosted countless paranormal investigations, including Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and Sci Fi's Ghost Hunters, which is how you know all that shit is fake, because, man, those are just fake shows. Anyway, the, <laughs> uh, the hotel also has a ghost adventure package. For overnight visitors, they're assigned a room on the infamous fourth floor with a pocket-sized electromagnetic field reader and other ghostly graph, including a mug bearing the chilling message Red Rub, which is murder spelled backwards. Uh, Most people would think ghosts haunt places of tragedy and high death counts, but the Stanley Hotel is not a place where many people have died, though in the 1920s, a gas leak uh, did lead to an explosion in room 217 that destroyed the second floor above the main dining hall and nearly killed a chambermaid, Elizabeth Watson, who did fully recover and return to work, but after she died of natural causes, was said to also be seen roaming the halls as well, as a ghost.
0: Hmm.
1: And that is the Stanley Hotel.
0: Hmm to escape from some things like that sometimes, I guess. Okay, so I've got the Bell Witch Cave. It's a dark and black cave where John Bell and his family were killed. The spirits of this cave can... Does it say... It doesn't say where it's at. Uh, the spirits of this cave continue to torture the youngsters in nearby colonies. That is why the people give preference to buy... Or, rent their houses miles away from this dark and scary cave. The visitors of the cave claim that even a small piece of rock is cursed, so one should not think of taking anything outside of the cave, uh, not even a particle of sand, otherwise the person could die in a couple of days. Technological tools have been used various times to capture the images of the caves inside, but no useful pictures have so far been this person does not know how to fucking write. <laughs> so uh, it's evidently a cave where a dude and his family was killed, and now it's haunted and cursed. So if you ever go visit the Bell Witch Cave, don't take anything out from it. You might die. All right, I'm going to pick a different article. This guy doesn't fucking know how to write. <sighs> yeah, so Bell Witch Cave.
1: Okay. Bellwitch Cave. Uh give me just a little... where is Oh, there it is. Okay. Sorry, looking for my actual notes on this and where it actually mm-hmm. is. Okay, so my next one is is the cage, St. Os in Essex, the United Kingdom or UK. So, this is a small building in the UK trying to be sold. It was originally a witch prison during the Salem witch trials. Um I looked up a, so if you look up a picture of this thing, it is well, it's called the it's known as the cage because it was a former jail. Um Yeah, it was during the witch trials in 1582, 14 women were accused of witchcraft related crimes for which three were executed Uh, during the trials the women were housed in the cage, which is what it was called at the time. One of the accused Ursula Kemp was a local healer who was sentenced to death by hanging. She is commemorated in a plaque that hangs on one of the former prison's walls. So a guy, so the owner or the like legal family owner of it decided to turn it into a house and sell it on the market. And if you look up a picture of this thing, it looks evil. It looks evil. They they made it into a house and then painted the house this bright weird yellow. And then the front door is still the cell, the uh is still the prison door, because it still has the brick, uh the brick outer part of the uh, of the actual prison, and then the the door, the the door of the prison. So the thing just looks evil. Um, let's see, let's see, eighty two people were put to death in exits during the times reported. In 1921, two female skeletons that were thought to be the remains of executed witches, one of them reportedly camped, were unearthed in St. Austin garden during a construction pro- uh, project. Some of the bones appeared to have been pierced with nails, which was a common practice for dead witches to keep their spirits from haunting the living, according to the times. And that's about all I have for that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I saw the picture of the house and I was like, just just look up the picture of the house, the cage, the United Kingdom. Like it's 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 hmm. like why would anyone want to live in that? Even if it wasn't haunted, why would anyone want to live in that?
0: <laughs> Indeed. Um, so that other article that uh, that I was going to use, that person doesn't know how to fucking write either. <sighs> Let's see. Uh... Here we go. All right, so I'm switching to my uh, article of haunted places. So this this is an interesting one. Uh, Prevelia Island in Venice, Italy. Uh, the beautiful island of Prevelia was a quarantine zone for people suffering from the plague. So if anybody was found to have the plague, they'd ship them off to this island, and I'm pretty sure it was... Probably back in the day, it was not a place you would want to visit. Um, in addition to having been a quarantine zone, the island was used in the early 20th century as an insane asylum. Ghost hunters claim this spot is a hotbed of paranormal activity. I believe it. Now, well,
1: let's see. So. All right. My next one is... Uh... The Village of Nagaro in Nagaro, Japan. Artist Ayano Tsukimi Hmm. reportedly moved back to her hometown to find a lessened population. Uh, In response, she began creating life-size dolls to to place around the village to give it a sense of life. As a tourist attraction, it is called the Scarecrow Village. The dolls are posted in all manner of activity, from playing children to shopping adults dude i read this and i was like this reminds me so much of i am legend the will smith movie <laughs> like i could have absolutely have seen him like just fucking uh posting up dolls because there's that scene where he's just talking to the ma- female mannequin like she's a real woman he's like he's like you know i've been mm-hmm. i've been seeing you in here and you know i think you're really pretty and i, I thought i just i was like Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, The doll population of 400 is higher than the current human population of about 30. And then I looked up pictures. This shit is so creepy. There are dolls that are fishing. There are dolls that are on the side of the road with bikes. There are dolls on benches together, like old like old people on a bench together. There are dolls mm. out in fields. There's a picture of one doll that is literally behind like this stalk and just peeking out from behind it. And I'm like, dude, this is some village of the damn shit.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> There's kids posted up in the school. The school, mind you, that no longer houses any children or is even functioning. She just filled it with Doll children size. She just filled it with doll children in class with
0: open books and every. <laughs> like. And she was there by herself?
1: No, there are other people, but the dolls outnumber the amount of actual people who live there. It's, ba- it's a declining rural village. You know the all of the young kids and stuff move out, so the only people still living there are the adults who stayed there or the old people who can't or don't want to leave. So the population is constantly declining. There are only around thirty people still living there. There are she made four hundred dolls that are all over this village. They're not in one spot. They're everywhere. You remember those old horror movies with the scarecrows? It's that shit, man. <laughs> like, no. No, 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 no. You cannot tell me that this is healthy in any way, shape, or form. Like,
0: hmm
1: <laughs> But that was my hmm. next one. Nagaro, the Village of Dolls, basically. <laughs>
0: Okay. I found a better article by somebody who I think uh, can write properly in English. Um, the Myrtles Plantation, which is in St. Francisville, Louisiana, uh, dates back to 1796 and is allegedly haunted by a ghost named Chloe. It's a pretty looking house. Sure enough. Uh, her apparition was supposedly photographed on the property in 1992. Other strange happenings uh, include hearing footsteps, a creepy tune coming from the grand piano, and the sound of children playing. These, these are short, so I'll, I'll uh, pair it up. Uh, next one is the Moon River Brewing Company in Savannah, Georgia. Constructed in eighteen twenty one, the property served as a post office and hotel and is now home to the Moon River Brewing Company. While enjoying an ice cold pint, you can ponder creepy stories from employees and visitors who have encountered unexplained happenings, like bottles being thrown, people being pushed around by invisible forces, and apparitions on the upper levels. You know, that that's exactly what I want. You know, I'm gonna go to a bar. Get a nice cold, nice ice cold pint, start sipping it, and then the glass gets whipped out of my hand. That's a hard nope.
1: For me, at least. Eh, Nah, I absolutely understand. Uh, (laughs) mm. Okay. Uh, Next on my list The Door to Hell, Derwez, Turkmenistan. A national gas crater made when a natural gas field collapsed into an underground cavern in 1971. Geologists reportedly set it on fire to curb the spread of the methane gas, but it has continued to burn to this day. The door uh, is two, yeah. yeah. The door is two hundred and thirty feet wide and has burned for over forty years. Turkmenistan has the six largest national gas reserves in the world. They're pretty sure the drilling rig is still down there somewhere on the other side of the door, <clears> dude. You look at a picture of this thing; it it looks like a door to hell. It is just like <laughs> it looks like there's molten lava in there. I don't know if there actually is. I think it's it's just all fire and burning gas like they're not even kidding when they call it a door to hell it just looks like fire and burning gas like it's is pretty nuts but once again a lot of these aren't ones that people made superstitions around which is odd i would have thought there'd be something okay. but no nope, not really but that was my next one cool nonetheless though
0: right so that that makes me think again. Uh, I think it was last week when I talked about that other door to hell, where where they uh, they drilled like a, a I want to say it was like two miles into the earth in Russia, and then they uh, they put down a a microphone, and I actually pulled up the uh, the sound of it on YouTube. It sounds like fires burning, people screaming, and uh, yeah, uh, they they. Uh, very promptly bolted a metal plate onto the top of that um, hole, and uh, no one ever talks about it in Russia ever again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just plug it up. This never happened. We saw and heard nothing.
0: (laughs) We weren't here. You didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. Move along. Nothing to see here. (laughs) Uh, let me add a second one to that since that was a, a short one the uh, the Queen Mary out of Long Beach California the Queen Mary is a, is a uh, cruise ship it's a three three smokestack cruise ship various spirits have been reported aboard the Queen Mary including phantom children and a lady dressed in white what do we know about ladies dressed in white don't trust them You turn around and you go the other way, right? Uh, Stateroom B340 is believed to be the most haunted room on the ship with guests claiming to witness the bathroom lights and taps turn on by themselves, unexplained knocking on the door during the night and covers being pulled off the bed. See, that's one of those things, like if if I moved into a new house and I was sleeping at night and all of a sudden the covers got ripped off of me, I'm not living in that house anymore. Right. But that's just me. But that's just me. Maybe some people like that. Um, But
1: that's just my common sense talking.
0: (laughs) Robin was off limits for guests for 30 years, but in 2018, it reopened for overnight stays, which include a Ouija board, tarot cards, and more. Time magazine also named the ship one of the top 10 most haunted places on earth now. Okay. So overnight stays in a haunted room. Why not throw in a Ouija board, you know, call, you know, call up some, call up some demons, have a, have a good old party or some shit. Yeah. Makes total sense. But, but then again, maybe that's just me, you know, um, I've heard enough creepy stories about Ouija boards that I don't even want one in my house. But again, that's just me. I don't know.
1: Eh, I don't think you're wrong.
0: Uh, Okay. I've got an interesting one here after, uh, after your next one.
1: Okay. My next one is ghost month or ghost festival or the hungry ghost festival in Taiwan. It is held on the fifteenth night of the seventh month of the lunar calendar. This is when Taoists and Buddhists believe that the gates of hell are open for hungry ghosts to roam the world. What is with the gates of hell just opening up in places? Like you would think that it wouldn't just—I <laughs> don't know. A lot of so there are horror movies that do that shit too. Like you would think if the gates of hell just opened up there'd be some interference from heaven or some other like it just the gates of hell just opening up just for no reason just cuz it just seems so weird to me
0: <laughs> <laughs> right they even did it in supernatural and there wasn't even even in in that uh it was a season finale of of a supernatural season heaven did nothing other than i think heaven uh what's his name Uh, the angel that went around with Dean and Sam. I can't think of his name, but yeah. Uh, Cass. Cassiel. Yeah. Castiel. Yeah.
1: I don't know, Hmm. man. I don't know.
0: Is that all you got for that one? Uh, Nope.
1: There's more. Uh, They are the terms good brother or good sister are the preferred way to refer to the ghosts as not to offend them. And there are a set of rules that you should adhere to. Of the rules you should adhere to, don't call a friend by their full name in shady, desolate places. Crematoriums, graves, crypts, execution grounds, and other desolate places have particularly strong yin energy. It is best not to go to such places at all, but if you do, make sure you don't call your friends by their real names. Use nicknames or aliases or the good brothers Mm. or sisters might follow you home knowing your name allows them to simply find your ass Um, Mm. don't hang lanterns lanterns are primarily meant to guide ghosts to the other side if you hang lanterns outside your home you're basically inviting the good brothers and sisters to your home (laughs) so don't do that Mm -hmm. uh avoid dampness in one's home uh dark damp places are places where good brothers and sisters like to hide so so they basically uh suggest you install three inch high intensity halogen bulbs to lower the dampness and brighten up your home don't leave your home in the dark and don't leave wet
0: things around (laughs) uh Interesting.
1: Oh, that's weird. Uh, okay. Uh, see, next, don't go near dangerous coastal areas or streams. There are ghosts that live in the water and they will try to drag you down and drown you so that they can put you in their place. Mm. So, do not do that.
0: Sounds like that, that marsh from Lord of the Rings... My like column says, "Don't look at the lights unless you want to join them."
1: Pretty much, uh, don't go. F- yeah, don't go fishing. Same reason. Uh, oh no, no. Hmm. The reason is because uh, if you engage in fishing, it is considered killing, and it might lure in evil spirits. Uh, avoid going into wildernesses at night. There are lots of good brothers and sisters in the forests at night, and they might lure you to your doom. Don't hold an umbrella indoors. The umbrella is traditionally used to collect souls and is also a typical hiding place for ghosts. If one hides an umbrella in the house, good brothers are liable to be attracted to hide underneath. Avoid taking the last (laughs) bus at all costs. I've seen a couple of ghost stories and horror movies about the whole last bus thing. Never take the last bus. The last bus is always a bus that's going to the other side. Never take the last bus.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I remember hearing, I think it was like a a ghost story podcast episode about that. Yeah. Hmm. Last bus, last uh, subway train, last anything. Eh, probably not a good idea.
1: Yeah. Um. Let's see. Knock on the door when entering a hotel room and step in sideways. Knock on the door before entering the room for the first time. After knocking, enter the room sideways to avoid head-on collision with a ghost. Superstitions are weird.
0: Uh... <laughs> Okay.
1: don't arrange shoes in a doorway next to a bed or facing a bed seeing the shoes in the doorway will inform the good brother how many people are in the room the direction of the shoes indicates where they are if the shoes are pointed toward the bed the ghost will hop into this could lead to a situation of being pinned to the bed by a ghost yeah we, we, we saw something similar happen in it's the end with uh, oh who is in that I'm going to look this up real quick because that was hilarious uh, it's the end. I think it is. It's the end. Uh, I believe it's yeah. It's the end with Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jay Baruchel, and Jonah Hill. Because there's a there's a scene where Jonah Hill gets visited in the night by a ghost on a uh, w- what's it called? Uh, for a uh. A intimate a trust an intimate call <laughs>
0: yeah that, that wasn't a ghost that was a demon well I
1: said similar and, and I, remember- I, I said similar there's a yeah. similar situation in which this happened
0: <laughs> mm. so big big dick ghost uh, has its way with someone who was sleeping in the bed because their shoes were pointed towards the bed.
1: They told him where what. Told him that there he was there, and told him where he was.
0: Mm, No thanks. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll put my shoes in two different directions next time.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) I will point it at the other guest room.
0: (laughs) Put one upside down, one on top of the other, in an X or a plus sign or something. They are
1: all in there. Maybe
0: make a. Something that's that's crazy, right?
1: (laughs) But and that's the last one. So those are all the rules. If you ever go down there,
0: I don't think I'm going to put that on my bucket list. But for listeners, if you if you want to, you go right ahead. All right, my next one is the Lalaurie Mansion in New Orleans, Louisiana. It's in the. It's uh, one of the most haunted houses in the French Quarter. The LaLaurie Mansion is a go to is a go to stop on ghost tours in New Orleans. It was built in 1832. It was once the home to Delphine LaLaurie, a notorious serial killer known for her cruel mistreatment of slaves. The former slaves are said to haunt the grounds to this day. So uh, the picture of it, it's uh, like a. I, I guess I would call it an unassuming block-shaped building. I'm pretty sure uh, that's how the architecture is in New Orleans. The interesting thing is, though, it's got, on the, uh, the second-story balcony, it's got a Grim Reaper. Either it's a, like a st- statue or a sign. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, the lavish mansion and story of the LaLaurie were key talking points. In American Horror Story: Coven, actor Nicholas Cage also briefly owned the house after purchasing it in 2007, but lost it two years later to foreclosure. I don't know if that uh, says anything good or bad about Nicholas Cage wanting. Well, you know, he's he's an actor; he's weird.
1: They um, do tend yeah, to all so. be weird, don't they? <laughs>
0: But uh, so that is the Lalori Mansion. Okay.
1: And after that, I just have honorable mentions. Uh, the Aokigahara in Yamanashi Prefecture, Japan, also known as the Suicide Forest. The yeah, yes. this was one that kept coming up too, but so I just honorably mentioned it um, or the sea also known as the Sea of Trees. It sits near Japan's Mount Fuji and Fuji Hakan issue National Park in Japan and is known for its dense woods. The forest was the subject of a 2016 film and Vice reports that after a popular novel set in the forest was published, it became the scene of suicides at a rate of an estimated of 50 to 100 people a year. So people just running huh. into the forest and offing themselves.
0: Um, that's one of the yeah, that's one of those weird uh, things about Japan. Like, don't even go near the forest because you might hear someone calling to you, and then as soon as you step in, that's all mm-hmm. she wrote. <laughs> ah, there's a Stanley Hotel. Uh, okay, here you go. How about uh, the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast Slash Museum in Fall River, Massachusetts? <sighs> this, uh, so this house is synonymous with the infamous 1892 murders of Lizzie Borden's uh, father and stepmother, Andrew and Abby Borden. She was accused but not found guilty of the gruesome murders. Today, the property serves as a bed and breakfast in museums where guests can stay overnight and possibly experience paranormal activity themselves hard pass <laughs> i like to limit my paranormal activity to as little as possible but that's just me
1: <laughs> ghosts are the one like i i like creature like monster movies and stuff i do not like ghost movies because and i and and this is probably why i also don't like survival horror video games because in those kinds of games the human has no recourse like especially if you (laughs) if you watch japanese uh paranormal movies there's no recourse for the human the humans can't fight back it's like if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're dead. Done. In the story, you you can't fight back, you can't stop the ghost half the time. A lot of the times like when the ring was really popular and uh, the grudge was really popular, there was no winning mm-hmm. that. It was did it kill someone did did it, it was it literally came down to did you trip someone who was slower than who was faster than you? That's that usually what it came down to because there was no actually stopping the ghost. And I do know that I think the ring had an actual end where they actually stopped the ghost, but I don't think the grudge did. The grudge just kept going, doing whatever it wanted to fucking do. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I do not like ghosts as monsters. At least in other monster movies, there's something you can do, but they just never let you do anything otherwise. Like it, with ghost movies—they just never let you do anything.
0: Those bastards.
1: Um. Okay. Uh. Next one: Capuchin Catacombs, uh, Palermo, Sicily, Italy. The catacombs are burial crypts in uh, Sicily, in southern Italy. They draw visitors as a somewhat gruesome tourist attraction. The catacombs act as a cemetery to an estimated 8,000 mummies that line the walls. Some of the human remains are now skeletal, while the catacombs also hold well-preserved bodies. The last body was interned at the site in 1920. Yeah, I feel like that's only creepy, though, if you get lost in the catacombs, right? Mm. Because it's one thing to go on, like, a tour, because it, it, for those who don't know what catacombs are, they're literally a labyrinthian structure beneath castles and uh, other buildings um, that uh, where any like it literally it's a labyrinth underground, so you can easily get lost in them. So I feel like yeah, if you get lost in that, that is terrifying, but outside of getting lost down there a tourist attraction really doesn't seem like that like it's a tourist attraction a tour doesn't really seem like it'd be that big of a deal unless you got separated from the group and then you just see like a a person-shaped shadow around a corner and you hear someone going hey this way and you're like is that jack is that you jack it's like nah just come this way (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know. My black man sense is telling me I shouldn't do this. <laughs> it's like it's my phone. Oh, oh, the reception on my phone. Yep, yep. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go this way. <laughs> it's like, hey, is there anybody? <laughs> it's like, it's like my my black man sense is tingling and telling me that uh, no, I shouldn't follow that boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm glad you said it Because I wanted to but I didn't think it would be Appropriate if <laughs> <No>. I did <laughs> you, My sense is Like nah dude you, you, you can
1: say shit like that That's the same thing as when when you hear about Like somebody getting mauled in the woods You know what? was a black person we're not stupid Like our black people says it goes off We're like nah why would we <laughs> camp in the woods That's stupid <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get eaten by bears
0: <laughs> It's like, let's go deep-sea diving out in the middle of nowhere. Or we could say
1: we did and not. Damn white.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got some damn white people doing that white people shit again. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let's see. Let's see if I can find another one. Uh, So how about the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum in St. Augustine, Florida? Has been in operation since 1874, but dates back to the late 1500s. Has a long reputation of being haunted, with both staff members and visitors reporting eerie occurrences, such as music boxes playing by themselves, things moving on their own, and spotting the apparition of a tall man. Hmm. No thanks. Um, in more recent years, it expanded into a museum and was also featured on AE and e and Ghost Hunters. Hmm. Didn't South Park do a do a bit about Ghost Hunters? I want to say they did.
1: Hmm. Well, South Park is starting to become the Simpsons and the fact that they've done everything, I'm pretty sure they have.
0: <laughs> Simpsons <Yeah>. did it.
1: <laughs> did, did the Simpsons not do it? South Park did it. Did South Park not do it? Simpsons did it.
0: Uh... That's a that's a very circular right. chart there. <laughs> uh, any other honorable mentions? Uh, then we
1: also have I also have one for Bran Castle, uh, in Bran, Romania. Bran Castle, also known as Dracula's Castle, is a national monument and landmark in Romania. Many associate vampires with Transylvania, uh, the region in central Romania, in large part because of Bram Stoker's Dracula. The House of Dracula of Draculesti ruled Transylvania hundreds of years ago. And one ruler, Vlad the third is said to have been so barbaric that he earned the name, Vlad the impaler. This would be better if all the people he impaled were still there, but most, yeah, mm. yeah, that would be a lot better if they were all still there actually.
0: Well, after so many centuries, the, you know, the bodies of the impaled are going to probably just deteriorate, uh, you know,
1: well, they'd uh, have been skeletons.
0: Deteriorate. Oh, true. True. Um, yeah, Vlad. Well, I thought it was Vlad Tepish who was the who was known as Vlad the Impaler. It is, no,
1: no, it is Vlad Tepish. But they're talking specifically about the uh, the castle itself, and I'm pretty sure they do tours and have yeah. all manner of thing. I expected, actually. I expected to find something because, you know, like, I, I don't uh, Oh, where is, uh, I've read about this far too long ago. Um, there's a big like vampire, the masquerade thing that happens in a city. I forget which city. I don't know if it's in California or New York, but there's a big convention where all the like vampire cosplayers and big like vampire fans and a vampire masquerade and stuff go and they all congregate there this, this big huge vampire event and I expected to find something like that for the castle uh, I did not so I uh, once again it's like these are the spookiest places on earth but I can't find any stories of oh yeah well we don't go there because the last person who went there was my dad and then he never came back Oh. <laughs> like, oh, well, we don't go there because we can't find out why that spot is glowing like it does. If There's no radiation, no magnetic interference. When people go there to check, it still glows, but we can't find any reason why it does. Also, people who are there too long tend to apparently just randomly die. So we stopped going there. <laughs> like... Nothing like that. (laughs) So they're mostly spooky because they're just weird. That village of dolls is fucking freaky, dude. (laughs) Like that is (laughs) like some woman going around and filling up an almost abandoned village with just these wicker scarecrow like dolls. That's dude. That is that is a horror movie. That is a horror movie.
0: (laughs) I'm surprised they haven't done it yet.
1: Uh, but yeah, um, I think that is all that I have that sounds, you know, interesting. Um, well, actually, there's one more. There's one more I have that actually seems interesting. And that's the Hill of Crosses in Sualia, Lithuania. And it's basically 200,000 uh-huh. wooden crosses on a small hill in Sualia, North Lithuania. It started as an act of rebellion in 1831 against the Russian uprising because religion was forbidden by the Soviet by Soviet Russia. Um, The hill was bulldozed Mm -hmm. twice during the occupation, and they just kept repopulating it after Lithuania's independence in 1991. It became a holy site for many Christian pilgrims. And you look at this and they're just, dude, it looks like they're preparing for a war with vampires I'm not even fucking joking. <laughs> like, it's, it, it looks like Dracula was like, I am going to that city. I'm going to take your stuff. And they were like, no, you're not. And they just, you, you'd have to see a picture of it. It looks like they're ready <laughs> for a vampire war.
0: It's Like, this is the street of garlic and holy water this is the street of uh crossbows and stakes. this is the street of this and that and this and that (laughs) all righty well uh listeners i hope that was a interesting little primer for you for scary places and and of course as as we like to say if this kind of stuff interests you there's plenty of websites there's plenty of uh information you can find and look up and if going on spooky you know ghost haunting tours is your thing there's plenty of them out there probably even one you know not too far from where you live Uh, if that's your if that's your kind of thing you know go out give it a give it a try and uh, you know have some stories to tell So, final thoughts, then?
1: Uh, Really interested in seeing how all of this... uh, I'm interested in seeing how Mandalorian and Hannibal will end. I'm glad we're actually getting to the last episode on both of them at the same time as well. Um, So, very Hmm. interested in seeing how this turns out. Um, And... I don't know. As far as spooky spooky places, they're probably far spookier uh uh probably far spookier being there than probably being told about them. I don't know. We I I wish I could have found right. I don't know. I wish I could have found more. I just oof, there just wasn't really anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh,
1: maybe um, I just didn't uh, research deep enough. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, you know we, we've uh, we've got other other things to do as as well. So you know it's it's not bad. It, it's longer than our last episode or our last uh, main topic last week. So you know that's good. Um, I too am interested to see how uh, Hannibal is going to end. I have an idea of how Mandalorian, how this uh, season of Mandalorian is going to end only because I had, uh, seen a lot of spoilers, a lot of spoiler videos and and things like that. So I, I know bits of it, but, uh, I don't know the actual, uh, you know, I'll probably be just as surprised as Jared. Hopefully when you, when you catch that cameo,
1: yeah, we'll see. Oh, no. Uh, I don't know how that's going to be, but we'll see.
0: Yep. All right, then. So, um, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you uh, if you would be so kind, uh, you know, give us a give us a re- give us reviews on whichever platform you listen to. You know, get it get us out there so more people can listen. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at GSP cast. You can follow us on locals at GSPodcast.locals.com. Our Facebook is GSCast. And if you would like to send us an email, you know, anything you liked, you didn't like anything like that. Our email is gaming sessions.podcast at gmail.com. So on that note, Okay.
1: Thanks for uh, thanks you for being with us again, everybody. Hope you ha- continue having a good day. Hope you continue having a good week. Be safe out there, and we will see you later.